Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Lapse Factor Podcast. I am here with Jamie Tromboli, number 12 himself. He is Duke's kryptonite, scoring the game-winning goal against the Blue Devils as both a freshman and a sophomore, two-time USILA All-American, currently, currently sits at 99 points for his career by the end of the 2020 season. Screw COVID. Only two mids this decade have scored more points for the Qs, Jojo Morasco and Sergio Salcido. He has a brain, apparently. ACC, all-academic team, ACC honor roll. I think a lot of you guys are smarter than uh, people typically give athletes credit for, though, is what I would say. And uh, he started contributing for the Orange upon stepping onto campus, starting the final 10 games of his freshman year. And he started every single game for the Orange since through his sophomore uh, into his senior year. Jamie, how you doing? Great. How are you? Appreciate I'm, you having me on. I'm very good. Thank you. So we got to talk about the elephant in the room first, which is fucking COVID-19. So as a fan, I know I was heartbroken and crying in my beer when COVID canceled the season. So obviously you're getting asked, asked this uh, question a lot. What's, what's that feel like having your senior year, uh, that, especially one that looked so damn promising, literally just pulled right out from under you? And how are you guys all holding up? It was definitely tough, obviously, you can imagine. Um, we put in a lot of work, not even in those four years, but before that, it's kind of been a lifelong culmination of a bunch of different things and a lot of different people kind of taking a, taking a role and kind of getting us to where we were um we were obviously kind of rolling we had a lot of confidence in ourselves and we felt like things were kind of clicking and the culture was set up right and, and everything was kind of going in the right direction so to have it canceled kind of out of the blue like that without really having a chance to, to lose or or to do anything wrong um was definitely something that hit really hard and we were very very emotional about it um especially before we kind of knew about the whole eligibility gig um so it was tough and we kind of all bonded together and came together as a team and consoled each other and stuff like that. But it was definitely a rough couple, couple of days there and it's been a rough couple of weeks still. So. Um, have you kept in touch with your teammates? You're more specifically just because everybody, you know, likes to bunch you uh, Curry and uh, Dordovic together. Uh, so have you kept in, in touch with them and, and how are they holding up? Where are, are they all back home? What the hell are they doing? Yeah. So those are my boys. Of course we, we stay in touch. Um, a whole team kind of stays in touch. We have a team group chat that people are pretty active in. Um, my class specifically has a, like a senior group chat that we are all talking in every day. So, so we're staying connected as much as we possibly can. Um, and everyone's just kind of getting back home and adjusting back to, to the normal normal life at home. Um, like I said, it's, it's March, so we're not really used to being home in March. It's still kind of cold outside. We're used to coming home and it being May and you just lost or you just won and things are a little bit of a different scenario. So to be home in March is definitely weird. Um, but yeah, we're just staying connected as much as we possibly can and uh, trying to get through all this together. What have you, uh, what have you been doing to try to stay in shape since you've been home or just to try to stay sharp since you've been home? Luckily for me, I know a lot of guys don't have the, the luxury of this, but my dad has a pretty extensive 
weight set up in the basement that I get to go down and, and use every day. Um, just try to do that at least once a day, get down there for an hour or so and, and do some conditioning slash weightlifting stuff. Um, then obviously there's a wall anywhere. You can go out and find a wall, so grab your stick, just get some reps on the wall. It's kind of hard to shoot because all the cages are, are locked up at uh, various schools around around here because of the, the virus, of course. So just wall ball and lifting and stuff like that. Just trying to, you know, keep the stick in your hand. And now I get to be self-absorbed and I, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. Your freshman year, I was taking my, I forget what we were doing. We were going down to Pennsylvania for something and uh, you guys were playing Duke and I don't miss games. So in the car ride, my kid's sitting in the back seat watching a movie. I'm in the car on my phone watching you guys play Duke. Uh, we get to the mall that we're heading to and we go to Build-A-Bear to buy my kids, uh, you know, their own teddy bears. Well, the game's still on. So I am literally standing in a like line of 30 people in Build-A-Bear with my f- holding my phone up in the air to make sure that I have a signal so that I can watch the game through the end of that game as you score the game-winning goal. And I'm jumping up and down like some kind of moron in the middle of Build-A-Bear. So that was like, my whole shtick is obviously you've watched every show, video, podcast that I've put out because everybody has, being that I'm the greatest lacrosse podcaster of all time. So I'm, obvi- I'm unabashedly a Syracuse fanboy just about so what's that feel like though as a freshman to you know to, to, to be playing for the team that you always wanted to play for and to get to score the game-winning goal uh, on that stage that was at Duke right the the first one was at Duke it was in the dome actually in the that dome. was in the dome okay that was the one you sniped it from out top so what's that sure. feel like getting to getting to pull that off in the dome then uh, against a, a team like Duke it's obviously a dream um, it's kind of something that I've been acting out in the backyard with my brother since I was a toddler you know it's just old enough to pick up a stick you go out in the backyard you pretend you score the game-winning goal so to be in a Syracuse jersey in the dome in front of, I think we had a it was a pretty packed house that day 10,000 people or something um and to to be able to pull that off and hit the shot and we had my whole family there and a bunch of my friends were there and it was a pretty surreal moment honestly it's a blur to me because it all happened so fast but it's something I'll always remember and you can't possibly forget something like that so now, when you're a sophomore, and then you do it, actually the one at Duke, your sophomore year, where you kind of picked up that loose ball, what was it, about five, seven yards out or so, and you stick that one. I was, yep. I was almost going to ask, does, the, does scoring the, the game-winning goal as a freshman give you the confidence to score that game-winning goal as a sophomore, which it probably didn't, considering that it was, it was such a kind of just a good bounce for you. Right. But uh, you do that twice against Duke. What does that feel like getting to repeat that? Uh, you know, and how, and how does that feel repeating on the road against Duke? You know, now, now here you go. You guys are now the Duke killers, but more importantly, you're, you are literally their kryptonite. You're the guy that killed them two years in a row. And I'm not sure anybody would have picked you guys your freshman or sophomore year uh, to beat Duke because at, the, at those points, Duke was pretty solid. Uh, so, so what goes into, what goes into the mindset, you know, to be able to do that twice? Right. The, the second year was kind of just the right place, right time thing. I don't really give myself too much credit for that one because it just happened. The ball fell right in my lap and I kind of picked it up and scored from point blank. So, but that one actually, that one means more to me than the, the first one because that game was our sophomore year. We were not the best team around, you know, we were really struggling and we all played a great team game that, that day. And that kind of felt like a momentum shift for our season that sophomore year. So, to be able to go in, into Durham and pull off a win um, as huge underdogs against a great Duke team. Um, they had some some senior studs, and we were all kind of young. Tuck, Brennan, and I, and Peter, and a bunch of other guys were sophomores running around 18, 19 years old um, to go down there and get a win. Uh, that one was really, really special. It was pretty, uh, you know, being a, a 
total Q's fanboy. It was pretty special for me as well. Um, we'll move on. One thing, and Ryan Powell, I love that Ryan Powell, here he's this, this Q's legend, and when he used to call your games and do the telecasts for you guys when you guys would play in the Dome, people would trash him, not realizing that this is one of the all-time greatest lacrosse players uh, and, and just an absolute Q's legend. They would trash him, like, yeah. who the hell is this guy? What's wrong with this guy's voice? But one thing he always talked about in the telecast was that, that he wanted you to improve your shooting percentage. And of, of all the, the people this year that I've seen improve, especially in terms of their shooting, you jumped from 24% last year as a junior, and you were shooting 47.2% so far uh, over the course of the first five games as a sophomore. So this leads me – I got a bunch of people that want me to ask you some questions. So the first question coming from my lacrosse wife, my longtime assistant coach at Broome when I coached there for six years, Corey Bellin. And the question – and I quote, when he is doing his individual workouts at home, on average, how many shots does he take a day? His shot was good when he was a freshman. This year you were deadly. Uh, was that due to the work you put in alone or something to do with the coaching change and that offensive scheme changing up a little bit? Uh, it's a combination of a lot of things, you know. Like you said, uh, Ryan Powell was pretty, he was pretty brutal to me when I was a young player um, out there. He's pretty critical of me. And I honestly took that to heart. Um, I respect everything that he he did for me because he kind of set me straight. He was right, 100%. Um, I was pretty inaccurate, taking stupid shots. My selection in shots wasn't the best. So he kind of made me aware of that early on in my career. So the past two years, I've kind of been working on that on my own and with some guys on the team. Um, we go out frequently throughout the week before class or after practice, and we take a bunch of shots. We set up piles of 10, you know, and just kind of switch back and forth from a variety of different angles, different places on the field. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of transitioned from, from being a low-to-high shooter to kind of high-to-low overhand type guy that can, can hit the low corners or the high corners if you, if you need to. So when you kind of shoot low-to-high, as Ryan used to tell me, and he would be pretty critical, like I said, um, it's either going to go in or it's going to be a turnover. But when you shoot low or for the hips overhand, you can miss wide. It could bounce. You get the back up. You get the ball back. It's not necessarily a turnover every time. So that kind of really opened my eyes and made me transition to a more – efficient kind of style of shooting um so yeah we just go out me Lipka a bunch of the other midfielders talk Brendan we love to go out and shoot and it's just kind of continual repetitions with the, the right mechanics and stuff like that that'll add up over time and end up being successful so Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones Blue Nile has something she'll adore Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Your pops tells me that you've always wanted to play for the Cuse, or at least like later, when, as you started getting through high school, you did. So who are, we, we talk about Ryan Powell. So obviously he's one of the guys that probably played into that decision because, you know, I mean, you might've been wearing diapers still when he was playing. I'm a geezer. So Ryan Powell's my age. Um, but uh, who were the guys, you know, that kind of, that you watched that made you say, that's the color that I want to wear uh, when I go to college to play ball. So after the uh, 09 Cornell championship, that kind of obviously solidified it for me. Um, I was a Cuse fan before that, but after that, I was really diehard and never really missed a game after that. So any of the guys from the kind of 09 teams on, I was pretty, pretty diehard for. Um, I loved watching JoJo. 
Rasco as a midfielder, a fellow midfielder. He really, I feel like he did it right. Um, he got better throughout his career, and I feel like that's something that I can hang my head on, just getting better throughout your career and adapting and, and becoming a better player, the best player you can possibly be. So I think JoJo was a great kind of mentor for me, and I loved watching him when I was in high school. So. And he, he ate so much shit over the course <laughs> of his career. Him and, him and Evans both, though, and I mean, that's the – that's the reality of when you get stuck wearing the, the deuce deuce was that you end up eating a lot of crap if you don't, because you know, when I grew up, I was used to the deuce deuce being an all American every year. So you have the Gary gate three year, three time all American Lockwood was a four time all American. Um, then Casey, Ryan, Mike, all all Americans every year. I want to say it was what pushing 20 years of, of people wearing it being an all American every year. Uh, so I always felt bad when JoJo and, and Jordan Evans wore it because both of them, yeah, they didn't have the, the four-year career that, that these other guys did. But by that time, the, the recruiting landscape had, had kind of changed. They were, they were supposed to be locks for four-year starting studs when they came in. But, you know, things had changed so much and the talent had gotten spread out so much that things stopped panned out, panning out that way. So I always felt bad for those two because, like you said, for both of them, any team would have been happy to have them and they would have started on almost every team in the country by the time they were seniors. So, I mean, they did epitomize, I think the number 22, and I think they had a tougher go at it, but I think that the success that they had all had by their senior years, I think that like, I'm happy for them. I love those guys. And just like you said, Jojo Evans, all of them, they, to me, it was just, you know, they, they were the epitome of being tough ass across players that didn't quit and that kept getting better. Um, and, and just a quick question because you're a midfielder, all-time greatest midfielder uh, for the Cuse, in your opinion? That's tough. Um, Putting you on the spot. I don't know, honestly. I know Matt Abbott kind of made a, the biggest impact that I've ever seen one player make. So I put him up there, even though he wasn't an offensive really guy like I was. He made an incredible impact. Kind of Peter Durth kind of reminds me of this, the same type of type of player, just a guy that can flip the field and kind of change the whole game. So I put him up there. Um, but there's a long list of guys, obviously, Lyle. I mean, uh, Jeremy Thompson, Jovan Miller, like I said, JoJo. Guys like that were just incredible to watch when I was a kid. So, And Gary frickin' Gate. I remember, watch, Gate. I remember the first time I saw Gary. I was, at a, uh, I was a little kid playing youth club lacrosse, and we had our lacrosse banquet. And our coach had well, – it must have been Brown. I can't remember who he did that to. Maybe it was Penn where he did the first air gate. Have you ever seen that clip, obviously, where he does the first air gate and everyone's freaking out? Of course, yes. So that's mine. That, that's the right answer, by the way, is Gary fucking gate, for sure. <laughs> I'm a little too young for, uh, yes. for Gary's time. But. I, I'm, a, I'm a geezer. That's what happens here. So these are the – and actually, I'm about to interview uh, Beardsley. I'm sure you know Rick Beardsley. He's, yep. the, he's been the color guy for a bunch of your guys' games this year. I'm going to do him, P. Kark, and I, I, I always ask these guys these questions. They're my famous questions. And they're going to be of your two line mates. So if you need a ride to the airport, are you going to have Curry or Dordovic drive you to the airport and why? Um, I would have Tuck take me um, just because I know Tuck's a super punctual guy. He loves to get up early and never, never late to anything in his whole life. So he'd get me there on time and make sure and he'd make the ride pretty fun because he's got a pretty extensive music selection. Uh, so he'd get me there and be a fun ride. The only problem with him is he's pretty, pretty ADHD, so he changes the song every two seconds. But I have to take control of that. But he's got great music, and, and he'd get me there on time. He looks like he'd be like seriously ADHD. Honestly, I've always, <laughs> I've, I, I've, I've had that that thought of him before. Second one, you are stranded on a deserted island. Who would you prefer to be there with, and why? And you got to think about this one because they need to help you stay alive. So who's going to be your best bet in that case? 
another tough one, but I'd, I'd probably say Brendan for this one. Brendan's a pretty resourceful guy, uh, smart, smart as heck. So I feel like me and him can kind of be a, a good tandem and he wouldn't, uh, you know, freak me out too much, bug me out too much with the whole ADHD stuff. He's a pretty mellow guy. So we'd, we wouldn't kill each other and we'd be able to find a way off. And then here's the serious one. If you needed to bury a dead body, which of the two do you pick? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, honestly. I don't think any of us are, are going to be able to put ourselves in that situation. But Carcaterra answered it. Carcaterra picked Anish Shroff. He said he'd pick Anish hands down because he's from New Jersey, and everybody knows people from New Jersey have already probably buried a dead body before. <laughs> already killed someone. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's obvious. That one's tough. Tyler, Tyler, your, uh, your sports information director, he'd probably be glad that you didn't answer that one, honestly. That's right. And now I have, uh, I have questions from random Cuse fans. Lisa, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. It's Lisa Barack Simone. I always assumed she had a kid on the team or something like that, but I'm not sure. But she's a diehard Cuse fan that's from that, uh, that Facebook group that your dad's in as well. Uh, how has having Chase Scanlon this year helped your team? What was, uh, what was the team you were most looking – okay, we're going to do this in two parts. She asks too. So what's the deal with Scanlon? Uh, how do you think he helped your team? Obviously, we know he, he scored goals and he's just Chase freaking Scanlon, but what's your view on that? Chase has been great. Um, honestly, it wasn't just scoring goals with him. He kind of brought energy every day at practice that other guys had to match. Um, and he loves the game, and his love for the game kind of spread out throughout our locker room, which was awesome to have. Um, and his riding ability is really underrated. He really – really busted his butt on the ride and our whole attack unit did a great job of that year. Stephen and Griffin, um, along with Chase, yeah, stole us a ton of possessions on the ride and they all bust their butts um, to the final whistle. So I got to give him hidden credit for that. But the other two are just the same. And, and, and Cook, he may not have uh, put up the points that people thought he was, would, but he was an absolute savage in that riding game. That kid, he was just a spark plug all over the place. I loved, uh, I loved seeing that. One thing about Scanlon, he seems to be, he, he has the demeanor of somebody who's kind of quiet on the field, but I've heard that he chirps. So, I mean, is, is he one of those guys that's just quietly chirping people on the field or is he a quiet, confident player and he doesn't get into too much trash talking? He doesn't, he doesn't yap too much to other guys on the other team. I haven't really noticed that at all, but he definitely is more quiet, more reserved, just focuses on what he needs to do. Um, but he will come off the field and kind of give his input on what he sees because he has a great IQ, obviously, and sees the field. Um, better than better than anyone probably and he gives our input and we can kind of go to coach march with that stuff and kind of adjust our game plan and tweak things so he's really good at that all right mark for an old teammate of mine and you're not going to like this one you're going to hate this question since they started and finished the 2020 season five and oh shouldn't they be crowned the 2020 national champs i mean we could all see nobody was beating this team I'll raise my glass to Syracuse 2020 men's lacrosse national champions. Uh, how badly do you hate seeing that debate uh, go on right now through all the forums and, and Twitter and everything where people are saying, you know, jokingly to a degree, but talking about how this was going to be the team uh, uh, that was going to be crowned the champ by the end. I mean, obviously it's got to kill you that you didn't get that chance, but uh, how badly do you hate seeing that, that go on right now? A lot. You know, it's not, in my opinion, it's not really a debate. It's not. You can't even come close to trying to say that about us or any other team. It was only March. You know, we played five games. Um, so to go out on a limb and say that we were the hands-down national champions is like the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Um, we were a great team. Yes, I'll give you that. And uh, we were heading in the right direction, but there was so much lacrosse left to be played. So obviously um, 
I'd love to be able to get back there and, and get that most of that squad together, try and do it again. But we'll just have to see what happens with the whole NCAA deal. So. And then uh, the second part of Lisa's question that I didn't ask, uh, what was the team that you were most looking forward to playing uh, that was left on your schedule? Or we could even say maybe in the playoffs, you know, I mean, is there, was there a team that you could have possibly faced in the playoffs that you were, you were pumped about that you would have liked to, to get to test yourself against? Um, yeah, there was a few, obviously all the ACC teams are, are huge games, um, but we saw North Carolina was really tearing things up. So we would like to crack at them. Um, then there was obviously Virginia, which is at the end of the year, going to be down there under the lights. So that would have been a great game. Um, and we kind of felt like we, we slipped and let them steal one from us last year in the dome and overtime, and then they went on to win the championship. So we would definitely like to prove ourselves against them. Um, if we had the chance. Um, and then obviously I'm sure we don't know if it would happen with the whole seeding thing, but if we ever played Yale in the playoffs, I feel like that'd be a really cool game. Cause I personally have a, an attachment to TD. Um, yep. And we scrimmage them every year and it's always a battle. And we've kind of been trying to go head to head with them for a few years now. So that'd be a fun game to play for real. What would the smack talk between you two look like uh, if you were, if that was ever to go down? He, I would say some few things to him, but he's always super focused during the game. He just run away and wouldn't acknowledge it. And he'd come up and talk to me after the game about it, but it wouldn't be anything too crazy. It's one of my best buddies. So we just hope the best for each other. Uh, Greg Lemp wants to know what is your go-to pre-game music playlist? And he's, it always amazes me that people care this much about playlists, but apparently it's a big deal to the younger crowd. So what are you listening to before games? I actually don't listen to my own music before the game because I feel like I just don't need the distraction. So I don't have any earbuds in or anything like that. I just kind of focus on what I need to do. And I go around and talk to a bunch of guys and game plan and, and just try to get hyped up that way. Um, there is music always playing in the locker room. We have a couple of guys that kind of take control of that and play the game tape tunes out loud on the speakers. So that's as much as I get for music. Um, but those guys do an awesome job. I was hoping you were going to say the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> uh, we yeah, got one. Guy, if anything, I, I like country music. So. Gotcha. Brian McClure, he wants to know, uh, just, and this is a good one, honestly, a good, simple question. Best part about playing lacrosse for the Cuse? The best part is definitely the guys, you know. Um, I feel like we get great – I'm sure everyone can say this about their teams, but I feel like we get the best guys out there. They really care about each other and no one's selfish, and we all have made amazing friendships um, that are going to last for a long, long time. So I wouldn't have enjoyed my experience as much, I don't think, if I didn't have the group of guys that I kind of went through the four years with. They've all been amazing in my class and the younger classes. Even the older classes above me were great. Um, so it's, it's just the guys that kind of – are attracted to Syracuse are all guys that are right up my alley. Yeah. Now what about the dome in particular? I mean, is, is, is playing in the dome week in and week out as, as sweet as I would presume that it is. It's amazing. Yeah. It's everything you can imagine. It really is. It's the most special, special place um, to play a sporting event in my opinion. So. I got to geek out for the army game. I got to come up and sit in the, uh, in the box with uh, next to Charlie Lockwood the whole game and got to just sit there and pick Charlie Lockwood's ear. So like little did they know I was trying to play it cool. Like this wasn't like one of the coolest things I ever got to do in my life because at that moment, that's what I was thinking when I walked into the box and I'm like, Oh, this is, uh, this is going to be great. Cause I spotted him right away. So uh, that, that was a, a really cool thing for me. Uh, and, and this is a weird question, but it's probably from a, a younger, a younger person, uh, Hunter Perner 
wants to know what your stick is like, but you're at your girlfriend's house. So I presume you don't have your stick with you right now, but I, I'm not, guessing no. he's wondering what, what's the net, what's the pocket look like? You got some whip on it. Uh, is it a weak pocket? I used to have like a big fishnet in my stick when I was a kid. Yeah, I use a, I don't have it, unfortunately, like you said, but I do use a CEO, which is kind of unorthodox. Um, I get picked on for it a little bit because it's kind of a face off head, but it, back in the day, it was always an offensive head before the face off guys kind of took it and, and tarnished it. But I use a CEO and I string it with a relatively like tight channel, pretty deep pocket. So it has some whip on it. So I can kind of really get my hands back and snap it over the top and be able to whip it down to wherever I want it to go or stuff like that. So it's got a little, uh, I don't know what to call it because I don't do it, but my buddy Lip, David Lipka does it, the top string that's kind of not really attached to the plastic, so it hits off the plastic a little bit. Um, and then, like I said, just a deeper pocket with two shooting strings, and it gets the job done, for me at least. A lot of other people can't really use it. But And this is the most important question that I've asked the whole time, and a lot of people wonder this. Um, I've gotten to know your dad pretty well through Facebook. What is with your, does he also text you in all caps all the time also? And what is up with your pops using all caps in all communications? Uh, we actually had this conversation the other day. Um, I don't know why he does it. Honestly, he's, he's crazy. He's a nut, but that's his thing. He just always has the caps lock on. He says it's because he took drafting, architectural drafting classes, and they always wrote everything in caps or just kind of kept it as that. But I always tell him that people are going to think you're yelling at him. Hey, you got to, you got to stop doing that or you're going to get in trouble one day, but. He doesn't listen. He's not the best at listening. So he keeps doing his thing. 